Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. Uh, wow. Um, I have a number of things that I wanted to talk about in this particular podcast, and I have just rearranged everything because I want to talk about one thing now, uh, just just for this one, and this is fresh, so I'm um, shooting at the hip a little here, but I, I want to talk about this issue in the SBC right now with, uh, well, regarding a number of people. The list just keeps getting bigger, but at the core of this is a article, a draft, an unpublished draft, a rough draft that was written by the wife of a prominent SBC pastor, Tom Buck, and then used as a means of blackmail against that said pastor. And um, it's it's pretty, it's angering. It really is just angering. Uh, and the thing, there's so many observations. There's so much, so much to say in so little time. Uh, off the top of my head right now, this whole incident exposes how juvenile and childish Many of the elites in the SBC are juvenile and childish, petty, immature, petulant children, the way many elites seem to act. And this is something that if you follow this podcast and you've known what I've said for now years, shouldn't come as a huge surprise. Um, There's a lot of immaturity at the top, and we've talked about the reasons for that and this managerial class that exists and this the cool kids table and who gets to a seat there and on what basis and all we, we've talked about this, but you just have just evidence for it with this situation. It just, it, it's so clear in this situation. If you don't see it in this situation, it's going to be hard to demonstrate it in other situations. We'll talk about that a little bit. We see corruption as well. One of the things that you've heard me say over and over on this podcast is not just critical race theory, but the whole panoply of social justice teaching that we've talked about, that I've written against, is accompanied by corruption. And that's also something you find in the New Testament when you see false teaching. It's generally accompanied by corruption. And we don't always see that corruption, but time has a way of bringing certain things out. When there's a pattern of life that is abominable to God, things will slip. And this is one of those times when things are slipping and the mask is coming off for a moment and you're able to see what's truly behind it. This situation also illustrates, unfortunately, and I hate to say this, but it illustrates how far gone in my mind the SBC is. And uh, and so we're going to talk about all of that. So what's the situation for those who don't know? This is a statement that was put out uh, on April 19th by First Baptist Church of Lindale. That's where Tom Buck is a pastor. And I'm going to read for you portions of this. On April 7th, our pastor's wife published an article at G3 Ministries that told the story of God's redemptive grace in her marriage to the pastor. And this is the, uh, this is the article. Uh, a story of restorative grace. And I encourage you to you know, go read this. 
it's short, but it, it is a hopeful, encouraging thing that despite the issues that arise uh, in situations, uh, marriages where um, there there is, e- however small, there, there is a uh, selfishness and pride and abuse that can accompany that in, in some way, small way, uh, that there is, a, there is grace from God to recover uh, from those things. Uh, marriages that are dysfunctional uh, have the potential to be rescued through the grace of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, the truth of Scripture, and this is the story of all of us apart from Christ. Coming to Christ, what kinds of things, what kinds of sins did God rescue us from? I think about this sometimes. What kinds of, what track would I be on had I not come to Christ? Um, what track would I be on had I come to Christ and then Christ did not sanctify me? It would be much different than the track I'm on now. And uh, so, anyway, there's an article, a good article, that was published. That told the story of redemptive grace. On April 11th, so this is only four days later, Baptist News Global published a piece which attempted to redirect attention away from this theme of redemption, instead seeking to discredit Pastor Tom and his ministry. And and I need to say this, the attacks that we will go through in this particular podcast are not just directed at a person. Whatever the intentions are of the people behind this, they're not just directed at a person. They are, that might be who they're shooting for, but you know who gets hit often? It's that person's wife. It's that person's church to some extent and affects those things. I wonder how much forethought is put into this kind of thing. For people who say they care about the church and they're, well, we have a parachurch. We're trying to assist the church, help the church, train people to know the word of God better to help the church. Don't give me that anymore. I just, I don't want to hear it from, from certain individuals, which I'll name. How much do you care about the church when, when you go down this kind of a road? Um, <laughs> there's one thing exposing false teachers, publicly available information they've, they've shared uh, that is misleading people. It's one thing having a, a, a debate over things that you disagree on, teachings that you disagree on. It's another thing trying to manipulate blackmail and start a smear campaign against someone because they might threaten your political enemy. I might be a little sensitive to this myself, uh, and I will just admit that because my dad's a pastor, and I've seen this over and over and over when... There have been people who, and this is inevitable in ministry, but when there's people who don't like what my dad has done and want to shoot at him, who often catches the bullet? It's not him. It's my mom. So I I feel very bad for Jennifer Buck in all of this. And her name is mentioned here, so I, I almost had an aversion to saying it, but, um, but, but her name is mentioned on First Baptist Church Lindale, and uh, she is to be prayed for and commended for being brave enough to even publish an article that seeks to glorify God by showing what can happen in a marriage when uh, God takes someone who um, is in sin and then redeems that person or, or, or uh, 
brings about a repentance in that person's heart. Anyway, let's um, let's keep going with this. So the publication misconstrued details, which are taken out of context from a private rough draft of the article that was written in 2018, and they were quoted in a screenshot of an anonymous tweet due to some political uh, uh, machinations within the Southern Baptist Convention that have been working behind the scenes to tarnish our pastor's name and discredit his ministry. We as elders uh, feel it necessary to provide the following details, and then they go through the sequence here. Our pastor and wife have never been afraid of telling their story. They, they do have a story. Uh, it includes um, a, a damaged marriage. Uh, and in 2018, this draft was given to Karen Swallow Pryor, who's a professor at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, where I graduated. And uh, this draft was then with the intention of Karen Swallow Pryor editing this draft. Um, it was never actually, though, either edited or published. They're, they couldn't make it to a final draft. Uh, and that seems to be because Karen Swallow Pryor had a, an accident. So this is the source of this rough draft. This rough draft contained more details that were used against Tom, like slapping his wife on one occasion, things like that. Shortly after Jennifer sent her rough draft, Karen had a tragic accident. All right, we already talked about this. Just a few weeks ago, on March 30th, Tom was asked on Twitter by a newly created anonymous account if it was true that he was an abuser and whether he had emotionally and physically abused his wife. Several survivor activists were tagged in the tweet to draw their attention to the accusation. Tom received a phone call on March 31st asking him if he was trying to destroy Willie Rice, who had accepted a nomination for president of the SBC on April First, just hours after Willie Rice made a public announcement about removing a deacon in his church after he was contacted by a pastor in another state, Tom received a phone call asking him if Jennifer had written a blog post about him having abused her. He was told that Jennifer had written, and this had been sent to several news outlets. Think media here, okay? Uh, it became apparent that—so so, I, I need to stop and make a point here, something that you're often going to see. The progressives— in the SBC have no problem sometimes, some progressives, many progressives, kind of seems to characterize SBC elite progressives, but they have no problem siding with the media on things. This is Russell Moore's idea of being prophetic. Well, what's being prophetic? Speaking truth to the society that's ungodly, the world, the flesh, the devil? No, it's going to the New York Times and Washington Post and telling the church how racist they are or how much they hate immigrants, or how sexist they are, or something like that. That's what being prophetic apparently is. There's relationships there. There's good relationships there between Southern Baptist elites and uh, the Houston Chronicle and the Washington Post and the New York Times, and uh, those uh, outlets are used at times, and this is one of those times when there was an attempt at least, and I'm not, I'm not sure, if, it doesn't say which publications, but I have, we have a uh, precedent to go on here. We, we can look at a lot of different news items stretching back to Paige Patterson and forward that uh, have gained the light of day in those publications. Anyway, um, 
A few days earlier, on March 26, Tom and two of our elders had called Willie Rice, it says, regarding a deacon in Willie's church who had committed a predatorial act in December 2005. Tom knew this man well from the years Tom served as a pastor in Florida. As a mentor and friend, Tom led the man and teacher to report to his school that he was engaged in sexual relationship with one of his students. Tom went with him to make this report. This man was a professing and devout Christian, and his willingness to go with Tom to the school to confess his sin appeared to be fruit of repentance. In addition, he agreed with Tom's counsel that he should be forthright about what had happened with any church he attended or joined from that day forward. When Tom saw a video from Willie Rice's church and heard Willie introduce this same man as a deacon, Tom was concerned. So the situation is this. Willie Rice is running for SBC president. Willie Rice has a deacon, uh, a newly appointed deacon. And this particular deacon uh, had a history that Tom knew firsthand of um, sexual impropriety that was predatorial in nature. And Tom went to Willie Rice about this. Since the SBC Credentials Committee and a 2021 SBC resolution resolved not to allow individuals with a history of sexual abuse to serve in church leadership, Tom sought counsel from Rachel Denhollander about how to handle this in a way that was not political, but principled. Now, some have asked me why in the world is Tom going to Rachel Denhollander and Karen Swallow Pryor? Um, I, I, I did talk to Tom earlier today about this, and, and I want to leave that for the end. Uh, but because it, but but I just want to acknowledge. I know there's people wondering some of this right now, and and I'll address that. But that's where he did go, okay. And and uh, Tom's desire was to keep the situation private. So and, and so he didn't want this being exposed. This ended up getting exposed because Willie Rice went out there and made a public comment. And now Willie Rice is not even in the running. He dropped out of the. I guess we're calling it race now, the race for the SBC president. It's becoming more and more political. But he dropped out over this issue, primarily, it seems. And um, and so uh, let's just, I don't want to get into all the Willie Rice stuff right now because it's not, it's not as important here. But there is an email here uh, saying that Tom did a stand-up thing. Tom was right to come to him and tell him this and Willie Rice uh, kind of I guess at first he had doubted these accusations but he uh, but but he thought the better of it and um, said you know Tom basically you know you're right uh, he, he then I don't want to get into the Willie Rice stuff let's just skip Willie Rice has some hip- hypocrisy here it seems <laughs> saying one thing to his congregation and one thing in an email to Tom but uh, after receiving the phone call about Jennifer's rough draft on April 1st, Tom and Jennifer were informed that Karen Pryor had been approached by someone who had a copy of Jennifer's rough draft and wanted Karen to verify that she had received it from Jennifer. The person who came to Karen told her that someone was seeking to publish it to cast disparagement against Tom. Tom and Jennifer contacted Karen, who said that she had refused to verify the rough draft and that she didn't think it was right to publish. Jennifer pleaded with Karen to tell them who came to her, citing how wicked it was to twist a wife's words to weaponize them against her husband. Karen refused to give the name of the one who came to her. In the end, she laid the blame at Jennifer's feet by saying, quote, they were your words, Jennifer, and my mom said you should never put in writing what you don't want the whole world to read, unquote. Now, I need to say something here. We have, this is, this is a messy situation. And I, I, I'm honestly, I'm uncomfortable to some extent. I mean, read the screenshots and uh, what they've, what's happened though, is there's been an attempt to blackmail here. There's been to to neutralize Tom because Tom is 
a threat to Willie Rice because Tom knows something that would, at the time, would have hampered Willie Rice's campaign. It ended up hampering because Willie Rice acted. Willie Rice just came out with it. Tom wasn't going to come out with it, but they knew Tom had dirt and Tom could use it. And that could that could be the October surprise, right? That could be the thing that derails the convention away from Willie Rice and gives it to Tom Askell, maybe. I still have my doubts on that because of how, uh, just how, like if you're going to, I've said this before, if you're going to win the room, that's probably a failing strategy. The people who come out there, they're loyal to the center, to the, to the guild. And uh, so anyway, let's, but, but we'll talk about that more at the end as well. So uh, that's how this whole thing starts. And then in order to get the truth out there, you kind of have to share some of some of this stuff, and uh, and 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 to to set the record straight because it's it's a very it, it can be very damning against honestly it's not even Tom I'm thinking of as much as his wife uh, and and very violating and um, if you don't set the record straight well anyways this uh, leads to this this situation with Karen Swallow Pryor where she says what I just read. And I went to Karen Swallow's prior Twitter. I just wanted to see. She, she tweets a lot. So I want to see, is she, is she combating this? Is she saying that she didn't say that? Is she, she's not. In fact, I'll just show you right now. As of right now, on the 21st, 2.35 p.m. Eastern Time, this is all Karen Swallow Pryor has tweeted. The Lord sees and knows that's what matters most. That's it. And of course, she has almost 2,000 likes which is far more than even Jennifer DeBuck or Tom Buck have gotten on their uh, exposing of this from last I checked. Let's see. Yeah, it's like nine. It's not even a thousand on the statement by the elders. So um, that's Twitter world, though. Twitter, I've said before, kind of a leftist echo chamber in my mind. But so Karen um, Swall Pryor says that. And. Uh, uh, I don't know if there's much more to share on this particular page. Let's see here. There was a Zoom call with Willie Rice. That's not that important to this. Okay. Let's let's move forward here to this. Um, SBC Underground uh, account on Twitter said today, we have come to learn that Keith Whitfield is the person who went to Karen Swallow prior to verify Jennifer Buck's rough draft so it could be published against them by the news media outlets. And so the story so far is Karen Swallow prior had a copy of this draft. Somehow someone else got a copy of it, starts leaking uh, aspects of it. SBC Voices picks it up. And, uh, and then you have uh, Danny Aiken, not, he's reached out to by... Tom Buck and his wife, and he's not. He, at first, he says, well, "I'll I'll get to the bottom of this." And then he's like, "I can't reveal the name. I can't reveal the name of the person who leaked this." And it's it's so Danny Aiken, Keith Whitfield, Karen Swallow Pryor all work at Southeastern, and so now there's an accusation, at least, that it's Keith Whitfield. He's the one, and that it's confirmed. Now, I I didn't know. I, I'm like SBC Underground. I'm not even sure. I, I don't know if this is actually confirmed or not. Uh, but that's that's what the statement is. Now, then comes this. Buckgate, how the SBC elites conspired to blackmail Tom and Jennifer Buck. And this is this is is detailed. Detailed to the point that there is an entire phone conversation between 
two of the men. I, I don't even know if I can use that term, <laughs> men, but uh, to, to two people, to, to, to two, uh, they sound like men. Their voices have, have, they're deep enough to be men, but man, uh, do they not sound like men in the way, in their expressions and the, just the, oh man, it's terrible. And I, I debated in my mind whether I was going to play this particular clip. This is Tom Buck on the phone. Where is it? There it is. Tom Buck on the phone. It's a, like an 11 minute clip. Uh, with um, with two of the authors at SBC Voices, Todd Benkert and Jay Atkins. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. And I just I, I was floored. Uh, Tom is the only adult in the room. That's all I can say. And it's obvious from this. The excuses that are given, it sounds like a, a father scolding his two sons who've been caught with their hands in the cookie jar. It's that bad. And they drop one. I don't know which one it was, Todd or Jay, but they drop that. Basically, uh, we got this from Karen Swallow Pryor. So, SBC Underground saying um, Keith Whitfield is the person who went to Karen Swallow Pryor to verify Jennifer Buck's rough draft, so it could be published against them by news media outlets. But Karen Swallow Pryor is the one who leaked it. Uh, there's a coordination if this is true. Now, this particular article claims, yes, Keith Whitfield. In fact, let me find the place if I can. Keith Whitfield. Let's see. Uh, they, let's see. Whitfield has been confirmed as the person who asked Karen Swallow prior to confirm the authenticity of a draft, according to this article. So we'll see if more information comes out that contradicts that or not, but I'm pretty sure that this wouldn't be put out there by both of these. Uh, this is formerly conservative resurgent voices, SBC Underground. And then for, uh, I guess, this is Jordan Hall's last polemical article. Uh, if they didn't have a good idea, I don't think they'd put this out there. But we will see if there's any rebuttal to any of this. Now, um, whether Keith Whitfield was involved or not, which doesn't surprise me, by the way, at all, and I'll talk, I'll talk about that again at the end in my commentary on this. Uh, this is bad. This stinks to high heaven. This is Danny Aiken covering this up, Karen Swallow Pryor being actively involved in this. And it's, again, to politic, politically, a politically motivated attack that ends up hurting not just a pastor, but the wife of the pastor unnecessarily and it's not about false teaching it's not it's not even about um a character issue because it's an issue that by the grace of god there's been redemption trust has been violated and then there's a, a, a um, instead of just being honest about it like you could you, we could sort of i think i could kind of respect it to some extent if if all right so it's a me too person let's say and they're like well i got a hold of this and man there's no forgiveness Let's say hardcore me too. There's no forgiveness for what Tom did by slapping Jennifer years ago. And uh, well, we just got to know. We, we got to put this out there and people need to know. And I'm going to just go to the media and I'm going to leak it and I'm going to be honest about it. You could sort of respect that, I guess. You could disagree with that. You could say you violated trust here. But if someone had that conviction that like this is beyond that, this is so bad and horrible that we need to put it out there, I would I would understand that. And there's been situations I've I've even been in where I've been like, I think this piece of information needs to get out there and it, this is necessary and vital. And, but, th but then what you do is you, you just, you try to let the person know kind of like, Hey, this is what I'm thinking of doing. Um, 
thoughts, you know, uh, you, you don't just like, I'm going to cover it up. I'm going to pretend it didn't happen. I'm, you, you admit that that's what you're doing. You're honest about it. This is like when you turn the light on and there's roaches in the room, they all scatter. Uh, pe people are just running in all directions. They don't want, I mean, it, it, and it's crazy the, the way, the immature way in which these, these two guys, Jay Adkins and was it uh, Todd Beck Benkert, the way that they are just, we're on your side, Tom, we're on your side. So I'm not going to play the audio. I, I just didn't feel comfortable doing that. That is, is a, is a, it's a phone call that uh, if you want to listen to it, you can go to protestia.com and it's right there. But um, very telling. And and so this is how the SBC works <laughs> to some extent, some quarters of the SBC. And this isn't any kind of a shock, not even close to a shock to me. Uh, this is the kind of thing that I've uh, become accustomed to in some ways. And, and there's many situations I haven't even been able to talk about because it's all, you know, the people involved don't want it mentioned. But let me just tell you, this is not like an abnormal thing to have arm twisting, blackmailing, threats, uh, to um, smear someone with, with really, it, it's about, in this particular case, it's about engaging in a lie. You know, trying to characterize someone a certain way based off this sliver of truth from years ago that is not even, doesn't describe who they are now and is, uh, and is confidential information that was shared in trust with the intention of, putting some of putting it out there only in a form though that was going to be helpful to people this is trying to put it out there in a form that would damage tom buck and by damaging tom buck hopefully derail his uh or threaten him or, or prevent him from derailing willie rice's campaign which has already been derailed so anonymous twitter accounts you know are, are the places that uh, that and apparently it doesn't matter who it was, but they're anonymous Twitter accounts leaking some of this stuff, and um, that's the situation, broadly speaking, that's going on right now. And I, I just find the whole thing disgusting. I feel like I need to take a shower after this. Now, I, I do want to say this: I, I don't. It's not like I I talked to Tom Buck that much. In fact, I think I the last time I had a phone call with Tom Buck was I can't even remember. <laughs> might have been two years ago. I mean, it's not, it, it's, I think maybe a year ago, I might have messaged something. I messaged with him a little, but it's not, I don't talk to Tom Buck that much, just so people are aware. It's not like I'm, uh, you know, just Tom Buck's a close friend and I got to stick up for Tom Buck. And it's nothing like that. Um, I, I, I have some respect for Tom Buck for some of the things that he's done and, and for the, uh, some of the, sacrifices I think he's made by entering the fray on some of these issues. But I, I did talk to him today. And the reason I did was I just wanted to confirm something. I just wanted to make sure that I was going to be on semi, at least the right track on a few things I wanted to say. And one of them was this, because a few of you have asked, what's up with Tom Buck going to Karen Swallow Pryor to edit a draft and Rachel Denhollander with how to deal with this? Why would you get advice from Rachel Denhollander? And the thing I'll and I'll I'll just tell you in brief. This is my my generalization of what Tom shared with me is is he's trusting. Tom's a trusting guy, and I don't think he views Karen Swallow Pryor the way that he did. In fact, I know he doesn't. Uh, when that initial draft was shared with her, uh, just for grammatical correction. For those who don't know, Karen Swallow Pryor, English professor, so she'd be good with 
correcting grammar. And um, Tom, uh, Tom, Tom is just, he, he's a trusting person. He's, he's going to assume the best. Part of that is his own story, as has now been uh, revealed by, by his wife at, in that article. Uh, and I mean the one in G3, that the God's done a lot in redeeming him and uh, helping him come to a knowledge of the truth and repentance and all of that. And so Tom wants to extend that to others. That's in his mind. That's that's how uh, how he treats people. And I know he's he publicly. This is public. He's put out there that you know he'll go to to dinner with Dwight McKissick and stuff like that. So that's that's the explanation. That's who Tom is. Uh, that's I think why some some of these folks were included. I myself uh, don't view them probably. Maybe Karen Swallow prior now. Maybe Tom and I are see see the same way on that uh, on her at least. I'm I'm not sure, but. Um, I don't, I certainly don't see Rachel Den Hollander the same way. I, I wouldn't think that she would be an authoritative voice or someone that I would want to go to with any of that stuff. It, to my, in my mind, her credibility has been completely shot in the, um, the revoice stuff. And, and I, I talk about this in Christianity and social justice, religions in conflict. So you can go and check out my book on that. And I, I detail my issues with caring. Well, uh, I, I think it's, it's, anti-biblical is i mean it's it's totally against innocent till proven guilty it's just it rips out of context love believes all things uh you should just believe accusations it's standpoint theory you know we're not going to go to the people who know the bible well we're going to go to the, the victims are the ones that seem to have the uh the, the, know that the the thing to do they're the ones that we should go to for advice i i think i, I think rachel den hollander is is a threat and uh be, because of her mission in the SBC because of the Caring Well Initiative, but the, just because of even all, just if you go on, do like Twitter advanced search, Rachel Den Hollander, believe women, and you're going to find, you know, how often does she believe people who make, without any evidence, she just believes the victim. That's a problem. So that, that's kind of where I am with Rachel Den Hollander. I, I think she's an activist and, and not one for biblical ethics at all. But, um, but it, it's, you know, Tom, Tom Buck is a, is a trusting person and he sees her, he, he sees her motives in his mind, at least as, as, as being pure and, and good to some extent that she's, um, she's trying to, to help the situation. And so, uh, that's up to him where he wanted to go with this particular information. So that's, that's that for those who have brought this up and asked questions about it. And I'm sure you can go and ask Tom, uh, if you want, but I, the only reason I talked to him is because I did want to know how, you know, how to, um, represent him well uh, with that particular um, concern that some had. The bigger concern, the major concern, the important concern, more than anything else right now, is though what SBC elites are doing. Danny Aiken, sounds like Keith Whitfield, uh, and Karen Swallow Pryor specifically, but also really Rice is involved to some extent in this. Um. In fact, that pulpit and pen, uh, not pulpit and pen, I got to get, it's Protestia. <laughs> the Protestia article, I think, had a whole list of, of people that were in the, the helping advise Willie Rice, and, and they they spread that net even uh, more. But even if it's just Karen Swallow Pryor and Danny Aiken and the SBC Voices guys, even if it's just them, this is awful. This is absolutely, this is shameful is what this is, uh, that they would do this. 
that they would try to anonymously attack someone with this confidential information that has the potential to uh, that to, to hurt a marriage, to hurt, to unnecessarily misconstrue, smear, and hurt, really lie about the reputation of a pastor. It, this has the potential to put a whole church in turmoil. And, and this, none of this is about false teaching. None of this is about uh, character issues that have not been rectified, uh, th- that Tom and Jennifer haven't been honest about. It's just an attempt to smear. And this is the kind of thing we expect from, like, politics, secular politics, not the SBC. But this is what happens at the SBC. And and the thing that wouldn't surprise me about this with, like, Keith Whitfield and stuff is, like, yeah, I was like, I remember that. Like, when I was at Southeastern, Keith was the guy. Keith was the, you know, if, if I don't shape up, I got to meet with Keith Whitfield. And it's, it's supposed to be this intimidation thing. I, I've been through this. I've turned corners and had professors huddled up and talking, and they all stop and they look at me because they, they were probably talking about me. And you know, just, just watch me. Um, I've had professors know exactly, you know, no issues that I shared in private, in confidence with other professors. And then their signs and and then, and another professor shows that they seem to know about it. They seem to know about the issue. They seem to, I've seen this kind of thing before. I've, I've had the threats against me. Uh, I know of other students at Southeastern who've had the same thing. Keith Whitfield generally winds up in these for some reason, generally as as the guy who uh, has to try to clean up the mess, so to speak. There's political hackery going on at the highest levels of your convention if you're a Southern Baptist. And the question is, can you stop any of this? Can you stop? Well, um, I think the conservatives in the convention, more conservative ones, leaning conservative, would say, come to Anaheim. And, uh, and, and if you're going to stay in and fight, you better do that. Um, I've been an advocate for a long time of have your exit strategy, have, have the time when you say we're done, enough is enough, we're done. You need that. Uh, if it's Anaheim, it's Anaheim. Fight. If you don't get anywhere, then you might want to just leave. It might not be worth the hassle, may not be worth funding these, these entities. You could try to do the, what, what is it like, you can go down to like $12 a year or something like that and, and still have your vote. I mean, that'd, that'd be good if you can do that. But uh, yeah, in general, um, not an organization you want to spend, expend a lot of effort to try to revive if you can't get there. Now, the question is, can you get there? And I've said this a number of times already, but the the answer is, can you get the, connected to this is, can you get people to show up? Can you get your base to show up? Can you give them a reason to show up? If you want to win the room, I think the strategy is not going to work. If that's your mindset, it's like, we can win the room. We can uh, pit, you know, the, the woke people against each other somehow. We can, um, I don't know, we can, it's going to come down to two candidates. You're going to have one that's more conservative. You're going to have one that's more progressive, most likely. Or you're going to have two progressives. Most likely it's going to be one conservative, one progressive, uh, more leaning person. And you're going to have to figure out uh, how to defeat that. It, it's not it's not a three-way or four-way race. There's going to be a runoff, no matter how many people join and enter the fray. So you're going to have to bring a crowd big enough to overwhelm the rest of the convention. And these are the people that are, being, are paid to be there, that are loyal to the guild, who have paid jobs in NAM or IMB or wherever, and they're playing follow the leader. 
and the leaders are just like party bosses. They they have their pick. In this case, it was really Willie Rice, and then that got. I don't know what they're thinking now because they're they're up a creek a little bit with. I I don't think they'll have a problem because they still have their pick, but the person that they've uh, chosen is uh is is as a candidate as a candidate has inferior qualities as a candidate. We'll just say that to Willie Rice, but um, that's what you would have to do. And I, I'm just going to be very brutally honest with everyone right now. I don't see the momentum this year that I saw last year. I did. I just don't. I saw more momentum last year than I do this year as it is, as it stands now, maybe that can change, but I don't see sense excitement. I sense more discouragement. I don't sense a willingness to go to Anaheim. Uh, I, I'm just not, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't see the same level and, and, and maybe that, that will change. Maybe, maybe there's something that I'm not seeing that I'm not privy to, but in order to get a base, the base to show up, and I'm speaking for myself here. Uh, if I'm in a Southern Baptist thinking about going to the convention, I'm going to be looking at the array of candidates, especially the, the person running for president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And what I'm going to be looking for is, are they willing to be demonized? Are they willing to, to really go against the phrase so much, call out the names of the social justice teachers? So it's not just enough to call out the social justice, call out the names of the social justice teachers, identify heresy, identify the false teachers, uh, not to call them brother, but just to, to really directly say this. We have false teaching here in the seminary. And, and you know, if you elect me, I'm going to do something about it. That's the kind of thing that would motivate me. Those kinds of things. I'm going to come. It, this is what Trump did, right? When he when he was going to drain the swamp. I mean, that is that kind of thing. Uh, I'm, I'm going to represent your voice. And I don't mind being called racist, sexist, homophobic, whatever. They, they, they try to sling at me. I'm going to give it right back to them. And not like Donald Trump, but like Jesus. Like Jesus dealt with the Pharisees. Every time they attacked him, what did Jesus do? He flipped it around. You know, you're the hypocrites. Uh, you're, you're making your proselytes twice as much a son of hell as you are. Uh, he never made, he, he, he didn't allow them to make him the issue. He would, he would turn it right back on them. And, you know, who do your prophets cast out demons by? He pointed out the hypocrisy every single time. That's what I'm going to be looking for if I'm a Southern Baptist pew sitter out there, wondering if my denomination is recoverable. That's what's going to motivate me to spend the kind of money it takes to get to California and to stay in a hotel and not for vacation, but to be, to, to go undergo a headache for however many days to, to, uh, in order to, um, try to get someone in there who's going to start the process. It's going to be a long process, but at least start the process of cleaning things up. So that's what I'm going to be looking for, whether that's happened or not. I'm going to let you all out there answer that for yourself. But uh, this is certainly <laughs> this is certainly a a situation that I think um, can serve as a rallying cry in some ways, just because it shows the kind of corruption that actually exists out there. Uh, th these are people. Look, look, think about it. These are people. Danny Aiken, president of a seminary for training pastors, people that are supposed to be assisting the church. To love the church? How will they know you are my disciples? By your love for one another? And they engage in this kind of, these tactics? How can that be? How can that be? How, how does that demonstrate love? Was he, you know, you're just really so concerned about Tom Buck. 
that he's such a big threat that we need to warn people about him. Okay, I can respect that, but that's not what they're doing. That's not even what they're doing. It's just how do we anonymously smear him and then cover up for the people who did it? Let's cover up some lies. Let's cover up some some blackmail. Let's threaten some people who, uh, who, who might threaten the guy that we want in there. It's no longer about ministry at this point. Southeastern, the administration at Southeastern, are they about ministry anymore? It's a good question to ask. Well, I wanted to talk about this. And please, look, in all this, just remember, there's people behind this. Remember, I just, um, I think, like I said, maybe because of my background and my parents, but please pray for uh, Mrs. Buck. Um, when you're a pastor's wife, I just want to say this, when you're a pastor's wife, or, or you and the children of a pastor sometime, but when, you, when you're the wife of a pastor especially, uh, that's not a that's not a role. That's not like a biblical uh, role in Scripture. You know, pastors pastors must have these qualifications, and then the wife of the pastor. This is her role and her responsibility and her qualifications. Um, her job is to support the pastor. Her job is to support her husband. She's her husband's helpmate, and it's it's tragic to me when wives get dragged into political food fights like this by frankly, people that shouldn't be worth even our time. The way they operate, my goodness, how immature, uh, how, how worthless to operate this way. And yet, they, they can be dragged into things and attacked and unnecessarily targeted and when, when it, the beef is really with the husband. And uh, I would just ask you pray for the, that situation. I can't imagine that being an easy thing. And, um, and the Lord gives grace, and there's many of us, many people out here who see right through this. We know that this is wrong. We know that um, for, for those who yell the loudest about victims, uh, I mean, Karen Swallow Pryor is part of that. Uh, I even noticed there was others, like, uh, and, and I'm not even that familiar with some of these people. I just know, like, some people run in the same pack, like, like I think Christine Pack, if I'm not, I'm not, I can't pull it up right now. There was a f- few others who were like, I'm like, you guys... So I thought you guys were like big me too. Let's speak up for advocates. And all of a sudden we're sticking up for Karen Swallow Pryor and we're, st- we like, we're, we're going to su- support the abuser quote unquote, right? We're going to let the person who did the blackmail get off scot-free. We're going to, uh, we're not going to say who things were given to. And like when it can damage a marriage, it just, it's amazing to me. And it damages a woman. It's Mrs. Buck. This is just it shows the rank hypocrisy of these people. So be skeptical. Don't trust. Uh, don't trust any of these people. Just don't trust them. A good rule of thumb. Be skeptical uh, about elites in the Southern Baptist Convention in particular. And pray for faithful pastors uh, who, though perhaps imperfect, perhaps you might disagree with the ways they do certain things here and there, but they're they're striving to do the right thing for the Lord. And um, and, and, and the wives of pastors especially, not just Mrs. Buck, but everyone, uh, all the wives that, that get um, targeted in these things, uh, just pray for them. Pray, pray, pray for her in particular right now. That's all I got for today. There's, there's more coming, but uh, I, I felt I needed to talk about this. I hope this was helpful for you all.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.